You're listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum. This podcast is sponsored by Zoom to You, Australia's on-demand courier marketplace. Get your parcels delivered within hours rather than days. Today we have with us Adam McCurdy, co-founder of Humanitics. Humanitics gives events impact using booking fees to close the education gap. Hey Adam, thanks for joining us today. Hey, doing, Michael? Nice yeah, to great. Be here. yeah, great to speak to you again. And congrats on what you're building with, with Humanitics. It's a fantastic Aussie success story, making a real impact. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So can you tell us, you know, what do you do when you're not working at Humanitics? <laughs> not, not much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full-time job. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's pretty, yeah, I guess like any, any uh, startup in the first few years, it's pretty all-consuming. You know, when I get some time off it, I usually go for bushwalks, mainly around know, the Butterwang National Park is really nice, heading to the beach, those kinds of things. Yeah, and a bit of reading. Beautiful. So, so some things to clear your head. Yeah, and get out of internet connection, which is a nice uh, break. Very good. So tell us, what is Humanitics for those who haven't come across you yet? And what's it all about? You know, how did you guys get started? And and what's your big vision? Yeah, sure. Well, Humanitics is the world's first not-for-profit events ticketing platform. And we we donate 100% of profits from booking fees to funding education programs that seek to close the global education gap. And it's been an incredibly exciting journey. We, the idea was really born out of recognizing that the events ticketing industry generate billions and billions of dollars in booking fees that everybody just hates paying. So that's that, you know, five, 10, maybe $20 additional fee that you see at the end of the transaction when you're buying tickets to a, you know, a festival or a show and it's everyone hates them. And we thought, what if we could redistribute all the profits of this industry into funding something like education and working to close the education gap. Amazing. How long have you guys been going for? Now, four and a half years. Fantastic. And yeah. what, what sort of scale are you at to, to now? Yeah, sure. So we've we grew into, we started in Australia and have since launched in New Zealand, actually in Jan, at the start of yeah, January 2018, we launched in New Zealand. So we now operate across Australia and New Zealand. And we are at the stage now where, yeah, there's thousands of events all across now Australia and New Zealand that have switched to us. They're mainly festivals, gala dinners, conferences, awards nights, small networking events. It's essentially any event, whether it's 10 people at a yoga class to, you know, about tens of thousands of people at a you know marathon or a festival. And the platform works, you know, where you log on to, go to humanitics.com, create an account, create your event, you know, and use the platform to sell and manage your ticket sales. And the organizers get to choose which of our education projects they would like to support. And then we report to that, them, that to them in real time exactly what the donation is so that it's really transparent yeah, awesome. uh, and impactful. So, awesome. yeah, we're right now at a run rate of donating half a million dollars a year to our education programs. And we're consistently doubling every, roughly every four months. So we're really excited to, to hit that million dollar a year contributions to education programs, which, would, which will be a really exciting milestone. So hopefully that, that happens around April. Awesome. And can you share with us in terms of sort of, the, I guess, the money that's been raised and sort of how that's been distributed to and the impact that's, that's giving? Yeah, sure. So we have three education programs that we focus our efforts on. 
two of them are domestic Australian education programs and one is offshore. So the offshore one is done through partnership with, in a, with a charity called Room to Read. And we specifically focus on their girls' education program. And that is funding literacy programs and life skills for the most disadvantaged girls in low-income countries, predominantly across Southeast Asia. And the research on that is phenomenal. And just the outcomes you can get specifically from funding girls' education in low-income countries is, is phenomenal. They're also the ones that are more pressured to drop out when it comes to secondary school. Uh, due to family pressure or, or having a baby at a, at a very young age. So it, it's, a, it's awesome. And it, it also creates multi-generational uh, impact because the mother of the family is then able to better appreciate the benefits of education that she can then instill in her children, et cetera. So actually the Atlassian Foundation were the one that put us onto that program and we support that and it's been fantastic. The second one is Indigenous scholarships. That's for uh, disadvantaged Indigenous students here in Australia. And we fund full scholarship and board for Indigenous students from incredibly disadvantaged backgrounds to have access to education. Um, and that's at the high school level. And the third, we team up with Oz Harvest, and that is for meals provided to disadvantaged Aussie kids around the country who are coming to school not having eaten breakfast or not having access to lunch. Uh, and coupled with that is also their nutrition program. Uh, that they roll out across schools to teach healthy nutrition habits to, to Aussie school kids. Yeah, awesome. And, and, and how did you come up with the idea and sort of like how did this sort of first evolve? Yeah, sure. So I was a consultant in the tech world. I'm an engineer by qualification. And my co-founder, who was my best friend and still is my best friend, thankfully, <laughs> he was a hedge fund manager. Uh, here in Sydney, we studied finance, went down that route. And essentially, the two of us were going about our careers, you know, doing relatively well, but ultimately wanted to look to do something of our own and, and something that, you know, resonated with us more. And we, we always particularly wanted to go about making an impact on, on closing the education gap. That's something that really kind of stood out to us as being a significant issue in the world, that it would be awesome if we could somehow work out a way to make a dent uh, on, on the gap. And so we thought different to, you know, perhaps, you know, we could, we could quit our jobs and we could go start a charity and we could move to Laos and, you know, set up a school and, you know, do a lot of good work there, which a lot of amazing people do and it, and it can produce amazing impacts. But we thought, why don't we try a different route? Why don't we better use the skills that we've acquired and, and abilities that we have to maybe try and do something that's that's even more scalable and, and can produce even more good. And that's when we thought, well, why don't we just go about disrupting a multi-billion dollar industry and mine all of its profits to funding education programs instead and set up the first kind of charity to do so. So Humanitics is a registered charity with no shareholders. And that's that's one of the really unique things about Humanitics. And so we, we went about doing it. But it, it was interesting in the early days, we didn't have, obviously we didn't have any funding because when you create a charity, there's not too many investors that are lining up to give you money because you can't extract a return from a charity, nor can you attract you know, debt or anything because, well, no one's going to give debt to a, a website. That's just an idea. So we just started working on it in our spare time. But then when it got to the stage when we realized we were actually onto a reasonable idea, we recognized that you know doing it in our spare time simply wasn't going to cut it anymore. And so 
we made the decision that we need to go full-time and that at least one of us needs to focus on this full-time to actually give it a chance of succeeding. So we decided that I would leave my job and give up my salary to focus full-time on humanities and that Josh would stay at his job and that would therefore allow us to essentially share his salary to support us both and fund the seed capital required to get the idea going. And so we did that on a handshake for 16 months wow. until finally we had, we had really proven the concept on a very basic MVP type product. And that's when Josh then left his job after, after us doing that for 16 months to join me full time. And, and at that stage, we then just started volunteering on the project because we still hadn't raised any money. And it was only perhaps maybe three or four months after that that the first few philanthropists recognized and appreciated what we were doing and decided to donate the first bit of capital to get us on essentially salaries that didn't uh, stopped us from going backwards financially. I mean, at that stage, we both humbly moved back home with our parents. We were great, you know, fortunate that we could do that. Not everyone can do that. But, uh, and, but then that seed capital allowed us to then hire our, our first CTO, who's still with us today, so our, our CTO, and then, you know, slowly start to build a team and, and generate more, more revenue, more donations, more stability, more staff, and then, and then continue to grow from there. Excellent. And so you've raised some money from the likes of Atlassian and Google. How did that sort of come about? And Yeah, sure. So I think it was probably about a, a year-ish after we'd, we'd raised that first bit of money, and that was just from high net worth individuals that that took a shining to what we were doing and, and you know, appreciated it. But then we went to pitch at an Atlassian charity event. They, they host events where they invite charities to come and pitch and share what they're doing. And, and it's part of their Pledge 1% movement where they give employees, I think, five days a year to volunteer on projects and, and these types of things. So we, we simply participated in that. And that then turned into discussions with their foundation who found what we were doing really interesting. And then that led to Atlassian coming in with a significant amount of money of $1.2 million over, over three years to, to fund us. And then about a year later, we then participated in the, in the Google Impact Challenge. And that's a challenge that essentially runs around the world and it's looking for what Google thinks are the best ideas that can create social impact using technology. And we won. And that... Wow resulted in a million dollars of grant funding from Google or more. It was Google.org, which is their foundation. Fantastic. So you've also partnered with Canva, I noticed, and I believe that's to help make creating the events and tickets more seamless. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So tell us a bit about that <laughs> partnership. It, it sounds amazing. And, uh, and what, what impact you're seeing with that partnership? Yeah, it's really, really cool. So we were the first ticketing company in the world now to integrate what's called the Canva button. And what that means is, is that when you're creating your Humanitics ticketing page, you're, you know, you're dealing with a whole bunch of design elements. The, the main design element is really the big banner image. That's the, you know, the big image that sits on the top of the ticketing page and, and really gives the flavor to the whole, the whole page and sells it. So typically what you're only able to do on ticketing sites is click upload a banner image and then you upload it and you crop it to fit the dimensions of the ticketing page. But with us, there's a button next to it called Design with Canva. You click on that button and it brings up your Canva account native inside Humanity. And then you're able to play around with their templates, design tools, editing tools, 
the whole suite of Canva and then click publish and it drops that image that you've just created inside Canva back into your Humanitics event and then you just keep going with creating your event. And so anywhere inside Humanitics where you've got a design element, whether it's, you know, the images on tickets, redesigning your tickets, the background images, images inside the description, all throughout the whole kind of design and creation process of your event in Humanitics, you're able to use that Canva button to bring up the power of Canva to better do that. Brilliant. I love it. So corporate responsibility has become a big focus for, I guess, all businesses, whether startups or large companies today. What advice would you give to founders or managers looking to, you know, for their companies to give back to the community um, via their business, you know, and, and how can they get started? It kind of depends at what stage they're in. Are you talking more about new companies, startups that are, are starting to, you know, yeah, I guess both ends of the spectrum. Or, or more big yeah, companies. B- b- both ends, I suppose, from, from your experience. Yeah. yeah, sure. So, I mean, the first thing that every startup and even scale-up can be doing now is joining the Pledge 1% movement. And that is a movement that was Atlassian actually has been right at the, at the forefront of. And that is where companies pledge 1% of their equity, 1% of their employee time, and essentially 1% of their product, giving their product away for free to charities and not-for-profits. And what it means is it's, it doesn't mean that you have to donate anything now because often startups and scale-ups are not in a, in a position where you can donate you know, 1% of equity and time, et cetera. But what it means is, is that you pledge that as you continue to grow, when you reach a stage that you're in a position to do so, that you will then start doing so. And it's amazing what just simply setting that intention does and signing up to a movement like Pledge 1% can do to, you know, setting that intention that when you're in that position that you'll do that. So, you know, lots of Australian companies have, have done that successfully and got to a position where, they, where they're able to pledge 1% and then it, it makes a massive difference. For more established, you know, big companies like, uh, you know, whether it be a big bank or, or just a, a big company, most of them, you know, are, are doing a much better job as I'm seeing of, of engaging more seriously with CSR and, and looking at their grant programs. And, and I think that's a really exciting trend and, and the, more, the more the better. I'd say uh, I'm probably biased because I'd say that the best advice I can give them is to be, to be thinking innovatively with their philanthropic giving as much as they want to be innovative with their companies. So obviously, you know, Humanitics is a very unorthodox charity. You know, we... We sell, I mean, it's very powerful. We self-fund through our ticketing platform and produce a whole lot of good for, for education. But we're not, you know, we're not the regular charity. And so naturally, we, you know, we, people didn't quite know how to look at us in the early days. It's like, hang on a minute, you're a charity, you're a ticketing platform. I, you know, I don't quite understand. But, but, you know, for example, the Atlassian Foundation looked at us and said, you're completely out of the box you're completely not what we had in mind but looking at you and understanding what you do and how you work this makes all the sense in the world for us to fund you because we as well want to make a dent on the education gap and so that was really impressive from the likes of the atlassian foundation but i think the more big corporate foundations follow that kind of more innovative open-minded approach to their giving i think the better yeah excellent I mean, your, your competitors in your space that are running sort of, I guess, for-profit businesses, they must be really worried about what you're doing. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors there. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, we've, we're just offering a really compelling, a really compelling offer. I mean, we're, we're saving organizers money on fees. So the fees are lower than what they're otherwise paying. Our product now, the actual platform is just, has reached a stage now where we've just got a bunch of features that, that nobody else in, in the industry has which is really, really exciting. And so organizers are using us because they prefer our feature set and they find that they can do more for their events on our platforms than, than others. And then on top of that, we donate 100% of our profits of fees to funding education programs and then give the organizer of the event the credit for it so they're able to go off and use it as a marketing asset yeah. for their brand. And that's a really compelling value proposition. Yeah. yeah so awesome. Awesome. It's cool. But I think the other th unique thing is, is that we intentionally set up as a not-for-profit because we knew that as we continue to grow, you know, shareholders naturally want their, want their return. Yeah. And we knew that an idea like this would always be at odds with shareholders wanting to extract a return. So it was for that reason that we in intentionally set this up as a, as a registered charity and not-for-profit so yeah, that there, was, there would be no shareholders. That, that was a very tough decision because it obviously took a hell of a lot of money off the table for me and Josh. But, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, if this idea can, can really scale to where we think it can get to, I think it's, I think it's going to be the coolest, you know, social enterprise out there achieving scale in a, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. That's just, that's, that's amazing to me. Unheard of. That's what drives me. Yeah, exactly. This podcast is sponsored by Parkhound, Australia's parking marketplace. To find a convenient parking space near your home or office, Awesome. And so you've now built a team around you. How big is yeah. that team? Yeah, roughly 20 now. Excellent. And yeah. so what have you done in sort of in terms of building the culture of that of, of your team and how do you see that sort of growing in the future? Well, it's it's interesting. The the team first started we started basing my uh humanities originally out of my parents' garage. And that was a really nice thing to do in terms of company culture because my, for example, my grandpa lives with my parents. And so, you know, the staff, you know, even when we got to a stage of having eight or 10 people, we're still in, in my parents' garage. And, uh, you know, staff would come over, they, they'd meet my parents, who are lovely people, they'd, they'd meet my grandpa, who was also an engineer, and chat with him. And, you know, it's relatively easy, actually, to, to build a nice culture where people are, you know, value and respect each other and and, and are, are good people in that environment um, but plus we've got pretty lucky where we've attracted great people too because i think uh, you know just based on who we are and our concept and what we're what our mission and what we're aiming to achieve is you know you naturally attract good people so to be honest i, I think we've gotten pretty lucky damn lucky so far but we you know we've we, you know we've worked hard we're weekly we you know we catch up with people on a regular basis, see where they're at. And we're, I think everyone brings their authentic self to the office and to humanities, which is, which is really nice. And it's certainly less tiring. You know, nobody's putting on a mask or trying to, you know, be the work mode and then, and then go home and then, and then transform into someone else. You know, we all work really hard and we're, we're achieving great things, but to, you know, to just come to work as yourself, I think is really refreshing for many people. Yeah, cool. And I guess they knowing sort of what they're building is actually going towards something that's going to help a whole bunch of people across the world is is pretty pretty special. Yeah, I can tell you it's it's been motivating in the most incredible ways. Like for example, one of our developers will work really hard on on a new feature that we then launch, and that feature then ends up you know winning us a handful of events that are that are doing big stuff. And then six months later, we're able to add up 
you know, see their ticket sales, see the fees that resulted from their ticket sales, and see the donation to our education programs that came from that, see the impact of that, and then be able to go back to that developer and say, hey, you know that feature that you launched six months ago? Well, it's right now created this many Indigenous scholarships and this many girls are now receiving literacy programs and life skills, um, you know, over the next three years. Uh, you know, it's mind-blowing that you can make those connections. Yeah, cool. And, and so how have you gone about sort of attracting customers? Yeah, sure. We've, I mean, word of mouth has actually been our strongest asset. We started just, just literally hitting the, hitting the pavement and just selling directly a direct sales model, just talking with event organizers, networking with, with organizers, and, you know, getting them to switch. And a whole bunch started switching. And then they loved the platform. They loved the obviously the social impact. They loved the interaction with us. We, I mean, we just treat our event organizers like gold, like family. And then event organizers are are a tight community, you know. So you get a handful that really like the product, and then they start talking, and they they jump on chat forums, and you know, it's been really amazing to see that grow and grow and grow. Where we, you know, we jump on. We can see on even on Facebook forums, people are asking, "Oh, do you, does anyone know of a can recommend a ticketing platform?" And you know, straight away, people are saying, "Oh, you've got to use Humanitix. Uh, it's a no-brainer." Um, and that kind of no-brainer uh, product that we're offering right now is is just spreading like wildfire, which is amazing and really exciting. Do you have a marketing team? We don't. Amazing. One of the only yeah. only startups without a marketing team. Fantastic. <laughs> Give me that business. Uh, no, we haven't. We haven't actually. Yeah, we haven't spent any money on marketing. That's, uh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. So you shared with us earlier that, you know, you did some very non-traditional things to get started. You know, your your business partner stayed at work and you, you split the income, which I think is very innovative on its own. I think, you know, I think it's a great idea for other founders as well <laughs> to think about. But I guess what have been some of the hairy moments in the business? You know, I'm sure there were moments where, you know, you know, we weren't sure if this thing was really going to take off and, you know, do we continue? So how, how did you build your resilience? And, and um, tell, us, tell us about some of those hairy moments. Yeah, I'd say probably the hairiest moments were right when, when Josh left his job to join me f- full time and we were now both just completely essentially exposed <laughs> financially, volunteering, and we needed to raise the capital to, to really survive and get going. And we struggled because like I was saying, I mean, you, you go up to a philanthropist or a foundation and you say, hey, I've got this education charity, you know, growing and doing really cool things. You want to hear about it? They say, sure. And then you tell them that you're a ticketing platform and they say, what? I'm not going to donate to your ticketing platform. This is just too weird. I, I just don't understand this. And so we, we really struggled at the beginning to, to get much support. And it was so much so that we had for-profit investors us, telling us that you know, guys, what you're on to here is 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 you know is really great. Like you know, why not why not go for profit and uh, you know let's do this. Um, and but you know we thought no, I, I think we can really pull this off as a not for profit, pull it off as a charity, and raise the money philanthropically and, and keep it as as a much a much more uh, purer and simpler model. And then you know we just I remember just waking up in the morning and just it was yeah it's tough. We just get into a war room and just say, all right, let's, let's hit this. Let's see who we can talk to and just hitting the street and meeting anyone and everyone that we can meet to try and raise this money. 
And yeah, we we eventually did over the the next few months, but that was that was really really difficult. And that was what just, about it's just so uncertainty. About two years in, would you say? Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, yep. a year and a half in. And, and yeah, you, but it was really at that that point of like, all right, is this are we are we actually is this going to work or or are we kind of folding? You know, because I think for the first few even year of a startup, you know, you can run on you know, just an exciting idea that's embryonic and exciting and cool and, okay, maybe or maybe not, it won't work. But, you know, when you get to that kind of 18-month mark, you're really kind of having to look at yourself pretty honestly and, and ask yourself, well, you know, are we, are we doing this or, or not? Um, you know, and is this going to work or not? You know, do we want to co- continue to invest everything and continue to make massive financial sacrifices to get this thing going? Um, so that was a real kind of... Uh, moment where it, you know it really could have gone either way, but thankfully we we attracted the philanthropists and and then grew significantly from there. Excellent. And do you have to go about sort of raising more capital sort of fairly regularly, or is it that you're able to sort of manage with the capital you've got for a long period? No. So the whole power and strength of the humanitics model is that it, humanitics becomes completely self-funding and sustainable which for the charity sector is completely unique where you have a charity that doesn't have to have its handout every year asking the public for donations. So in Australia, we've achieved that. We've succeeded in proving that thesis that we can get humanitics to being completely self-funding and not having to raise capital. And that is the state of, of the Australian humanitics right now, which is awesome. So we're not raising any money and we we won't be. And that's the power of humanitics, uh, that a philanthropist who's given us, you know, let's say $100,000, we're now levering up that $100,000 into millions of dollars over the next few years into funding education programs. So we've we've levered up their their philanthropic donation, which is completely unique. Awesome. Looking back, was there something that you guys built in your product that's become a critical success factor in your business? Difficult one. Well, honestly, as cliche as it sounds, I think it's just caring about the customer. I mean, we, you know, when you start having your first few event organizers, you just, you just, you care about them so much. You know, like, I think like anyone, you know, you're just so grateful that somebody's using the product or the service that, that you've made. And I think we've just done a really, really good job of scaling that where to this day, customers are just overwhelmed by, you know, the support they get, the care that they get, you know, the love that they feel when they, when they start using our product. Um, and I think we've just managed to scale that really nicely. And, and the staff that we've attracted, I think, have just completely jumped on board that, that, that the whole idea of just making our customers, you know, truly feel like they're, they're part of something. And I think that's, that's just scaled really, really nicely and something that we started from the beginning. Yeah, cool. Um, and, yeah. And, and talking of support, do you running your support team in Australia or in, outside of Australia? All in Australia. All of our staff are based here in Australia. We have one now, soon to be two staff based in New Zealand for the New Zealand entity, but for you know Humanitics Australia, it's all all based here in Australia. Yeah, excellent. And so throughout the journey, um, what's been the best piece of advice that you've that you've been given? Yeah, good good question. Or maybe there's been lots of different devices you've had. Yeah, we've received an absolute fortune, which has been um, yeah almost overwhelming. I mean, we've been so lucky to get mentoring from I mean the likes of David Gonski, 
who we've who we've been meeting with every you know six to twelve months, you know, giving us advice. It's you know it's just been amazing. I I, I think I, I think that we got this advice from from many different people right at the beginning, which was when we were you know starting with our MVP and starting to sell tickets and, and you know naturally we started to kind of think of all these things that we wanted to do and what what the company you know what the what the charity wanted to be and our vision. Uh, and just kind of that good advice just to bring us back to the, you know, essentially the present moment to say like, okay, that's great that we've got this fantastic vision, but what do we do? What do we do next? How do we, how do we get from navigate very well just through the next three to six months? And what's that going to be? Happy customers. Okay, let's just go back to happy customers and growing our happy customer base because that's the lifeblood of humanities. And just having that, that ability to go from, having this really exciting, you know, philanthropic mission to saying, how do I help this event organizer who's running this yoga festival, you know, absolutely stoked that they're using our platform, you know, to transition from one world to the, to the other, from a, you know, from like a global to a local level. I think that was, we got that from a whole bunch of different businessmen and women who were excited by what we were doing. And that, it can be difficult, you know, cause you get caught up in, in wanting to, to keep, keep thinking about the big picture of what this could be. And, you know, you, you can risk neglecting what, you know, what's, what's important now and in the next three months. Yeah. I think that makes, makes sense with uh, so many businesses, happy customers. Um, they pay the bills at the end of the day. That's right. And they're the people that talk about you and, and get you and get you word of mouth and Absolutely. make your life easier. And for, you know, for also for in the, for our industry, you know, it's a, it's recurring business. So, you know, most, the vast majority of organizers are running events every single year, the same event or, or growing number of events. So if you keep them happy this year, they come back next year. So that's, you know, that's yeah, really makes, important to us. Makes sense. And so looking ahead, sort of what do you sort of see over the next sort of five years in terms of what you're building? Yeah, we'll be expanding into other regions. We'll be going into, into the US, which we're really excited by. And slowly bit by bit we're we're seeking to be the largest self-service events ticketing platform globally that's able to the more we grow and the more fees that we can essentially get our hands on in events the more we're able to redistribute into closing the education gap so it's it's really just a matter of of scale and growth because it's directly tied to our philanthropic impact and, and what we're able to do for education Adam, one last question. Thanks very much. You've been very generous with your time and um, sharing so much about your journey, which has been fascinating <laughs> to hear about. So I read today that, um, I mean, all of us Aussies, I think we all want to somehow contribute and give back in terms of the fire, these devastating fires that are all around mm. us. Um, and I read somewhere that there's a way using humanities that we can do this as well. So could you just share with us how people can get involved? Yeah, sure. So we noticed that a lot of events have been popping up to support the bushfire, bushfire relief and aid for bushfires, for the people that have been affected by bushfires. And we thought, okay, well, for all of those events, let's have Humanitics, instead of donating the profits from booking fees to one of our education programs, for those events, Humanitics will donate 100% of profits from booking fees to the Red Cross uh, Disaster and, and Relief uh, Fund. And so, if an organizer's, if, if somebody's running a, uh, an event, whether you know, the proceeds of the event are going to bushfire relief, 
they can put it on Humanitix, just simply reach out to us and we will apply the Red Cross uh, Disaster Relief Fund uh, to their event. And then essentially we can amplify the impact that that event is having on bushfire relief, which is, which is just awesome. It's us doing our bit. And we think we can, yeah, we, uh, we'll see what the numbers end up being at the end of the day, but we're excited to see what impact we can make there. Awesome. Well, th- thanks so much for joining us on Founders of Air, Adam. It's been uh, been great having you here, and I'm sure that there's um, lots of people are going to find a lot of interesting uh, information you've been able to provide. So, and thanks for being so so open. My pleasure, Michael. And uh, well, uh, that's all for now for Founders on Air. We'll uh, be back uh, in the next uh, week with a, another exciting episode. So, thanks everyone. Good. You've been listening to Founders on Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum a podcast designed for founders by founders to help you scale your business. For show notes and to ask questions for future episodes, go to foundersonair.com. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time.